0: Welcome to the
1: Jeff Knows,
0: Inc. Entrepreneurial Podcast with your host, Jeff Lopes. Jeff has over two decades experience as a serial
1: entrepreneur, building brands like KimuraWare from his home basement to a multi-million dollar global brand that has sold over a quarter million pairs of boxing gloves. Jeff's here to educate, guide and drive you on the process of bringing your ideas and dreams to reality with the inspiring stories from some of the top business minds. Welcome to episode number 89 of the Jeff Nozine podcast. I'm your host Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today a good friend of ours Aaron Golub. Aaron is the host of Blind Ambition podcast. Great story behind his individual First legally blind D1 athlete. Such an incredible inspiration, such an incredible person. Sit back, everyone, and enjoy this podcast. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Nozing podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lope. Super excited to have on a good friend of ours, Aaron Gollop. Aaron, what's up, brother? How are you?
0: Good, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. Excited for today.
1: Very, very cool. I was actually on Aaron's podcast uh, about a week ago, so when his airs will be a couple weeks apart. Great story, man! I'm um, one of the most inspiring stories we've heard in a while, and just a great young entrepreneur trying to get his footprint in 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 the industry in the world and and get his story out to the masses. So I'm excited to be able to offer a platform to tell Aaron's story and hopefully. Grow his story to the masses because it's a story that needs to be heard and it's going to inspire a lot of people. So, Aaron, before we even get into your story, what do you currently do career-wise? And let's start from there. Let's start from there. What What are you currently doing career-wise for our audience to know you?
0: Yeah, so I, I do a couple things. I, I work in the world of finance, which I can't really talk about just because yeah, of, of course compliance reasons. But in addition to that, I, I uh, I'm a motivational keynote speaker. I run my own podcast called Blind Ambition and I'm in the process of starting to write a book.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exciting, exciting things ahead of you. So with your podcast, when did you start your podcast?
0: In about July.
1: And and where was your mindset when you first, I mean, the podcast industry, I mean, since the pandemic has taken off to a new level, right? Because a lot of individuals, they're home, they want to get their story out. They're using the podcast as, as platforms. When you first got into creating your own platform and creating your own podcast, where was your mindset and how did you actually get the whole process started for a lot of people trying to start?
0: Creating my own podcast had nothing to do with getting my story out more and spreading it to others. So what my mindset, my thoughts around it were, was the fact that I was going on a ton of people's podcasts, you know, being a speaker, especially, you know, with the pandemic I had to switch to doing a couple of things, a more virtual events and B get on as many podcasts as possible so more people heard my story. And so that's what I was doing. And, you know, it came to the point where I was meeting some really cool, interesting people. And I said, this is a fantastic networking tool. Why don't I use a platform? It doesn't take a ton of time, doesn't take a ton of effort, create my own podcast, come off an episode a week and just use it to network with others and share their stories. And that's really the whole purpose of it. I use it and I reach out to people who I want to connect with. And maybe if I didn't have a podcast, they wouldn't respond to me. And that's, that was the idea behind it. And it's, it allowed me to connect to you. It allowed me to connect to Chris Ross. So, uh, so many people that it just it's, it's gotten me into their network and built incredible friendships with because of that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love that aspect. And it's something we actually discussed off the air a few times is as an entrepreneur, the importance of networking, importance of surrounding yourself with individuals that are going to better you but also help you. And, and I think that is an, a huge aspect and that's, it, it, we had discussed this prior to as well is that that's one of the main reasons I started my podcast was to build a network and, 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 and connect with individuals like yourself and, and the Chris's and the Mike diamonds There's so many people we've connected with, I've connected with in the last God, nine months, 10 months, I've started this podcast. Like this, I, this is our second podcast recording of the day. Um, this morning we had on John Lee, which is a massive entrepreneur as well. So it's being able to network with individuals and hear their stories. So let's get into your story. Uh, we have such an incredible story here, and I do want this podcast to be all about you. Tell them a little bit about yourself and your history, and then we're going to go into your actual past, but give them a little understanding of who you are and, and your story right now.
0: Yeah. So my name is Aaron, Go- Aaron Golub. I'm legally blind and became the first legally blind division one athlete to play in a game. When I played football at Tulane university, went on to become a team captain and then fell free agent. And so, you know, I was born legally blind. And for me, that means I have no vision at all in my right eye and very limited in my left, my left eye. There's probably a hole the size of about half of a dime. And then through that hole, my vision is about 2200. So through that small hole, what a normal person would see at about 200 feet away, I would see it about 20 feet away. And then, you know, I've lived with that my entire life and used it to my advantage.
1: So growing up, because you are you were born legally blind, as a child, this was a norm to you. Yeah. And so it yeah. wasn't something that happened to you, a sudden accident or something like that. This was the norm to you. So you learned as a young, young child to adapt to it, to grow with it, and it became your norm. When you initially, what age did you realize? I think this is an important question for our audience to know your story. What age did you realize that you had a need that other people didn't have, and and you're different in a way that you had to adapt and learn to? What, the easier way to explain is ask, ask this question: Is what age did you actually start realizing that you're legally blind and and you're different from other children? At what age? And, I, and why I'm asking is because obviously uh, my son's story, and then we've talked about that. So what age did you actually start realizing it?
0: You know, I don't think that I can remember a specific age. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something where if you grow up with it, if you were born with it, you always know and you understand. I mean, as soon as you're not an infant or a toddler anymore, you've realized that, okay, you need to look at things closer than other children. It takes you longer to figure out certain things like learning how to tie your shoes or learning how whatever it may be um i mean so probably at a pretty early age probably you know when i started going to preschool or kindergarten or something like that
1: yeah so one story you had brought to me and and we had talked about prior to going on air the other day is at a very young age you took fitness as a challenge and you took fitness as something you adapted into your being and who you are what age no. did you start that at? And let's, let's dive into that story part of it.
0: Yeah. So I started playing football going into seventh grade. Um, and I was never very good. You know, I was an offense and defensive lineman. And the point at the time was, you know, at that level, it's really just learning, figuring out how to play the game. And so it was, you know, hit the person in front of you in the other color jersey. And okay, I could do that. Um, and you know, I, I really fell in love with, you know, the game, lifting weights, getting better. I started lifting in probably eighth grade, I think it was, and, you know, did whatever I could to get stronger, get better. But, you know, it wasn't doing me a ton of good, you know, sophomore year of high school, I was a third string offense and defensive lineman on junior varsity. And, you know, my goal was to play division one football. So, you know, sophomore year of high school, if you're going to play division one football at top school, you're probably either starting on varsity or at least playing a lot on varsity. You're, you're getting looks at by colleges at that point, if you're going to play at the next yeah, level. And that wasn't me. And so something flipped in my head and I just made a decision. I said, what can I do to play division one football? And I found long snapping and I only focused on that. I told my coach, I didn't want to play offense and defensive line anymore. I only wanted to focus on long snapping. I would show up to school every morning around five, five thirty in the morning and practice for, you know, an hour, hour and a half before school. I would go to school, go to practice, lift weights every single day after school. I did whatever I could to outwork everyone else because that's what it took for me to be successful. And you know, eventually, it paid off.
1: So, where in your mind, like you said, that shift? Like a lot of people, I think that's—I always say—pro athletes and the top-tier pro athlete. It's—it's it's not when you put ten athletes in a Division One school together. You'd be lucky if one of them becomes a superstar in, in in a pro level, and it's that one that could that's able to shift their mind and understand how to get to the next level. And the work ethic, I think, is so important. And those are two things you actually dove into right now, Aaron. Yep. Is when was that moment and 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 how did you come to realization that hey, i I, I have to outwork everybody to get that level and I have to shift, which I think is very interesting because you had a goal at a very young age because a lot of individuals just want to play. And if you'd understand for me to get to that level to be at a division one school, I had to switch my position. I had to tr- do so what snapped in your head? Was there a conversation with somebody? Was there something you saw? like what shifted your mind at that moment?
0: you know, I I don't think it was one moment. I think it was between, you know, not getting playing time in in high school at first, going to different long snapping camps and not being very good at it in the beginning. And, and something just clicked. And I just said, you know, I'm at a disadvantage. I need to work 10 times harder than everyone else if I want to be the best at what I do. And that's just what it took. You know, I I couldn't be the hardest working person in practice and, you know, just go home and, and relax because, you know, there's someone else who's lifting weights after somewhere else. There's someone else who's going to school in the morning and practicing. I had to do everything that no one else was doing when no one else was around in order to achieve my goals. And I didn't care if anyone else on my team was with me. I didn't care if anyone else in the state was with me. It didn't matter to me because I had my vision on this is what I want to accomplish. What do I have to do to get there?
1: That is awesome. So when you got your, did you, did you have interest for more than one college or university did you have interest or or was it just the one you went to
0: so I talked to I did outreach to literally every single division one school in the country um at the end I ended up having two offers one from Tulane one from University of Illinois and it really came down to you know some advice that I got from a coach and the advice was go to school where god forbid something happens and you can't play football you'll be happy being a student and that's how I picked Tulane. It was a better fit for me as a student. And so I knew that if something happened and I could no longer play, I'd be really happy there.
1: That is very, very good. Now, what let's let's dive into that moment, the first actual game on a division one level. What was your experience? What was your energy? How was that moment building up to that
0: day? I'm October of my sophomore year. And, you know, it was exciting. It was an incredible experience. And, you know, I think I knew for a few weeks that, you know, my coach was giving me more attention, was thrilled with my performance, noticed my work ethic and and was ready to give me an opportunity at some point. And when the time came, I was very excited. And, you know, I think one of the things was I wasn't very nervous, though. And most people are surprised by that. And, you know, when I talk about that, I say, you know, long snapping is the same thing as a golf swing. And when you do it 10,000 times, you know, you can do it with your eyes. shut. It's the same thing every single time. And so I had snapped the ball so many times that it was just robotic to me. And so I get out in the field, snap the ball block. It's the same thing I didn't practice the day before. And so, you know, it was an amazing moment. My teammates were thrilled, but you know, I wasn't really focused on what had happened, you know, the history I made or anything. I was focused on doing what I could to help my team. And, you know, I think that, honestly, at the time, my teammates were probably more excited. My coaches were more excited than I was. And I was excited to get an opportunity to contribute to the win, not excited because we just made
1: history. Yeah, I love that aspect. So when that actually happened, that moment happened, and there was obviously notoriety coming with it. There was some obviously publications and 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 people wanted to talk about it. How did you handle that? Because that is there's 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 different levels of understanding. Because when we got back to what you said, being in that moment, I think that there's a natural lesson to be learned here. Is if yeah. you put in the work and you put in the preparation, you are ready for that moment. It's when an opportunity comes, and I think you could talk about this in the business world. You could talk about this in public speaking you could talk about this in any realm of any industry is being able to be ready for that moment because a lot of people a moment will come and they're not prepared for that moment and that moment passes and they've lost that one time or that one opportunity in their life to achieve that goal of theirs because they weren't prepared. You were prepared. And it's that whole thing. Yeah. Yours was a physical aspect. Um, some of them could be mentally. Some, but a lot of it you did was physical is the repetitions. They always say if you you do something 10,000 times, you master it. becomes your It becomes almost part of your fabric. It becomes muscle memory. When all this happened, you obviously got a, a bigger light shined on you. Were you prepared for that?
0: So i started really senior year of high school, honestly, okay. when I first committed to Tulane was when the press really started. You know, I had some, you know, TV appearances. I was actually flown to New York to go on good morning America um, at 17 years old. And honestly, I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. It wasn't who I was. I was doing it. You know, I wanted to play football. I wasn't interested in the attention and, you know, another good advice I got from a coach was if you can help and impact one other person by doing an interview, then do the interview. It's not about you. It's about what you can do for others. I love that. And so that's what I did. You know, from then on, I did every single interview that kind of came my way and I still do because you never know who will be listening or who will be watching or who will see that and it will help them in some way. But, you know, I think I was very nervous, you know, when I went to Good Morning America, that was the biggest one I had done at that point. And, you know, was on live TV in front of millions of people. And I think, you know, looking back on it, it's funny. Cause I, you know, you can Google and watch that video. I think, Oh, I was a terrible speaker back then blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I mean, as a 17 year old, I did a really good job, you know, being composed, not letting, you know, the, the notoriety or wh- whatever you want to call it, get in the way. And I think I was pretty relaxed and, you know, it allowed me to really become a decent public speaker overnight because you know I was put in a position to sink or swim and you know I think when most people are put in that position they swim yeah yeah I love that
1: aspect so and that and that is a huge aspect where I love the lesson you said because you were put on a platform where you were able to send your message out that could inspire and help other people and and a lot of times that notoriety or that 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 light shone on you it's it's not a comfortable thing for a young athlete and especially um, when they are actually talking about an accomplishment that you're not thinking of. You're an athlete. You're there to make the team. You're there to help the team be better. And and they're focusing on your, you being legally blind and accomplishing this great accomplishment. And I actually watched a documentary recently with my son. My son plays baseball. He's a lefty and it's on Jim Abbott. You know the athlete? Yeah. Incredible story. Incredible documentary and and he did all these interviews and all that stuff and he actually says that and he says something very similar where he absolutely hated all the interviews he hated everything because they kept shining the light on his disability and not on what he had accomplished and obviously to went on to have an amazing career get a no-hitter in the major leagues which is it's stunning such an accomplishment as a pro athlete because even if he had both full limbs, what he accomplished would have been an amazing career. So, But everybody always focused on his disability, not what he achieved. And and I think there is a great lesson for individuals that are going through a situation where they might have a disability or a disadvantage and they are great athletes and they are accomplishing something great. Understanding that there's a message, and I I talk to my son about this all the time, there's a message for you to be told and, and your story could inspire even if it inspires one individual in this world you've done amazing because you're taking that person of a dark spot and putting them into a brighter light saying hey there's hope even though if i'm in this situation where i was born with this situation i could still accomplish something amazing so i think i i love that you at a young age were able to identify that with the obviously advice of a coach identify how much your story could impact and help others. Well, I appreciate that. and I appreciate you for doing that. You obviously, you keep going back to your coaches as giving you those advice, those things. So a lot of your coaches growing up were obviously huge impacts and mentors in your life. Is there one or two particular that you, could, you still go back to and you still talk to on regular basis or had such an impact on you?
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, I want to say that my parents, I think, were a, a really big... Part of who I became, and you know, they never pushed me in a certain direction to play football or not, but they they pushed me to succeed. You know, as a young kid, you know, if I was struggling to do something, they would challenge me. They would want to see me learn and grow instead of just doing it for me. And so, I think that was a huge impact. And then, you know when I got older, you know, like I said before, I went to school every day at like five thirty in the morning to practice snapping, yeah. and my dad would never come up to me and say, Aaron, do you want to go snap tomorrow or on a Saturday? Aaron, do you want to go snap? But if I asked him every single night before, every single Saturday and said, dad, can we go snapping tomorrow? Dad, can we go snap today? He would do it every single time. He didn't, he, he was never going to push me to do it. But if I asked and was willing to put in the work, he was willing to go with me and, and do whatever he could to help me succeed. You know, going alongside that every single morning at school, it was really four people, me and my father, and then uh, a close friend of mine, his name's Austin. He was a quarterback and now uh, it's a quarterback at the division one level as well. And his father, Steve. And so their entire family, you know, Steve's uh, father played for the Patriots. Steve played for Northwestern. I think he played in the NFL for a little as well, but he was a huge mentor to me as well. You know, he, he taught me, you know, really the, the, you know, what work ethic is and how to, Outwork others. What you need to do to succeed, and so I think that was a a, a really crucial role model in my life.
1: I, there's a few things I want to dive into there, Aaron. One, and you know my story, and we've had this conversation. I greatly I appreciate what you said there about your parents, and I think it's, it's a topic where having that support from home and having I call it I actually I as as a father. Now, coaching and helping entrepreneurial dads with a platform, I call it the yes factor, and I say any time as a father, your responsibility, if your children ask you to do something that is not not something I, I need you to buy me something that, but I want you to spend time with me it's the yes factor you always say yes to that because that time is so precious and and being able to spend the time with them so i I appreciate that you said about your father about always being there he never pushed you but he was always being there and that support is so valuable and it's obviously a huge part of your building block and it's going to be a huge part of you one day when you're a father hopefully that'll actually it's those lessons and and you understanding those lessons are going to make you a better man so i appreciate that and i think having and
0: and, and if i can if i can just say one thing on that real quick and, and i think that i i I wish I had said this when I did as well, but just going on it, you know, even on the days, if my dad couldn't take me, you know, my mom wasn't going to catch my snaps, but if she, if my dad couldn't, she would get up in the morning, she would drive me and I would go snap into a net. So it wasn't just him. It was was both parents doing whatever they could. Yeah.
1: And it's always like that. It's always, it's always a support venture, right? I mean, most parents are just support because obviously, did you have, do you have any brothers or sisters?
0: I have a uh, sister who's two years older than me, who we're very close. And then I have an older half brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing,
1: too. So it's, 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 it's 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's having both supporting parents. And, and obviously, my son, we talked about it. He's, he's accomplished so much at such a young age. And it's both sides. is my wife and myself putting the hours, putting the dedication towards seeing him achieve and understanding that the important understanding of for us to, Give him all the support he needs to be able to achieve it and teaching him that work ethic and teaching him how to push himself and also i'm, I'm sure your parents too subconsciously pushed you harder than you'd probably realize it when you're younger and that's obviously built part of who you are so once you got to your division one school and and you started playing let's talk about the whole process of you're there for four years Four years, as you you said, your your second year, your it was your sophomore year. You started. You got your first play time, right? So, yep. year three. Let's dive into year three because obviously now you had established yourself as a as a as a position player. How was your role and how was your mindset going into that season? Because now
0: you're obviously. So, you know, there was a big transition between year two and year yeah. three for me, and I don't know if we actually covered this before or no. not, but so. After I played for the first time, two months later, my coaching staff got fired. We had gone three and nine the past two years, and then you know they were gone. So a new staff came in, and I was put in a position of, all right, this is the school that gave me an opportunity. Will this new coaching staff even let me, you know, continue to play? What's gonna happen? So the new staff came in and, you know, coach Willie Fritz, who I have to say is a phenomenal person, a mentor of mine and a friend. And at the time though, he was, he knew about my story, but didn't know a ton about my vision, didn't know how it was going to work. He was unsure. I was unsure. And, and, you know, we had this conversation. It was honestly a pretty uncomfortable conversation, but one that had to be had. And eventually we got to the point and we just said, you know, let's do spring ball. Let's see what happens. If we have to have this discussion again, we'll come in in May and have this discussion again never heard about it again. And two years later, he named me one of our team captains. And I think that that is honestly one of the proudest moments of my life because he didn't know what to expect. He didn't know what I was going to be able to do. And I completely shifted and changed his mentality and every other coach's mentality to earn that.
1: I love the word you said they're earned. And I think that's a huge aspect of it. You, nothing was given to you. you earned their respect by your work ethic. And, and obviously the time and effort you put into helping the team accomplish how was how did the team actually perform record wise for those two years with the new coaching staff
0: yeah so my junior year we went five and seven my senior year we ended up going five and seven it's a, a unfortunate story we should have gone six and six and made a bowl but they called it a tu- uh, should have been a touchdown a touch not a touchdown at the last second of the last game but is what it is after that you know i think my year was a big transition of helping turn around the program they you know have been doing a lot better since they went to this year they went to their third straight bowl game and uh they're they're turning the program around that is amazing are you still heavily are you still involved in the school you know somewhat here and there i obviously couldn't go down this year but i do you know make it to a game most years and and, you know go talk to the team go help out you know i i don't have friends really playing anymore on the team but um you know i for the first couple years out i did and so i would always talk to them and you know go and see them play Now, your transition. So you were a
1: free agent. You applied to be a free agent in the NFL. How did that all – did you go to – obviously you went to training camps. What was the whole process there?
0: So I did my pro day. I talked to a bunch of teams, and, you know, it was something where – it was something I really wanted. I I wanted to make the NFL. I thought this was the decision and the path I wanted to go. And to truth be told, I think that if I had really said, I'm going to only focus on football for the next year – I probably would have had an opportunity to make a team would I have started I don't know would I have made a team I don't know but I think I would have had a a decent chance that being said I had opportunities you know in the world of finance and and I wanted to go into the world of speaking as well and it was a pivot that was at the right time and it was the right move for me to make and I have no regrets for shifting my career path and I'm I'm very thankful that I did at the time that I did because you know, I'm a lot further ahead now than I would have been if I was still trying to or bouncing between teams or or things like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. So
1: the world of finance, was this something you had interest in a passion in? What drove you to get into the world of finance? Because it's 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 a it's a very competitive field, but it's also a very lucrative field if you if you uh, actually set mm-hmm. your like you say your clients and you and you build a regular yep. system and stuff like that. so how and what got you into the world of finance?
0: You know i I wasn't sure what I wanted to do for a while, and I think that I wanted a field where I had a lot of freedom and a lot, and I had the opportunity to make as much money as I wanted. And so, you know, I'm not going to go into detail yeah. of my specific job. And if someone looks me up, they'll see it. But the thing with my specific role in finance, and you don't get this anywhere else. And I get this with both, both the finance side and the speaking side. And I'm so fortunate and so thankful that I have it because most people, you know, can only dream of having it. But A, I have as much freedom as I want. You know, I have the ability to hop on a podcast with you right now. I can go out to lunch with someone today if I want to, as long as I don't have a meeting, I can do whatever I want. And I can have as much freedom as I want. I can go spend time with my sister or my girlfriend or my parents tonight if I want to, because I'm not stuck in a nine to five. At the same time, I can make as much money as I want. If I work my ass off for years and years and years and years, there's absolutely no limit on either the finance or the speaking side of the amount of money I can make. And, and that's really what drew me to everything I do today.
1: I love that. So let's dive into Aaron, into your speaking aspect. When did you Mm -hmm. put in your head that you wanted to tell your story and what age did you realize that this is something I want to do? And when did it come to fruition? When did you actually, were you able to start the public speaking and, and how did it all start?
0: Yeah. So, you know, because of doing a lot of speaking opportunities through interviews and and things over the years, I, you know, had developed a skill. I was decent at it. And it was something that I knew I could help others. And I think it was about a year out of college that, you know, I said, I want something more in my life. In addition to finance, what can it be? I started doing speaking engagements. I started doing some, I started helping others that way. And then, you know, probably six months after that, I really figured out with the help of of my friend, Sam, who I recently connected you to, that I can monetize this. Not only can I help and impact other people, but I can also turn this into a business and, and make a lot of money doing it as well. And so he was a big uh, mentor of mine and still is of, of really helping me turn that around into let's help and impact as many people as possible, but let's do it at the same time of turning it into a business
1: yeah i love that part so when was so you've done how many timings were you have you been on stage and over the last few years and all that stuff like that how many times a year do you try to get on stage obviously the pandemic changed all that but prior to the pandemic how many times were you stepping on stage
0: you know before the pandemic it wasn't as much as i would like i wanted to grow and i think I've. it was a few times but it wasn't a ton um i think the pandemic has as bad as it has been it's allowed me to get my name out a lot more in the speaking world through going on podcasts, my own podcast, growing my Instagram, networking with individuals. And so, you know, my hope is that, you know, I'm on a stage once a month or or whenever the opportunity comes when this pandemic ends and I can really turn it into a a profitable business opportunity. Um, I, I, I think this year has been tremendous for, for my growth in that field.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of individuals, and we have this conversation a lot with entrepreneurs, is how you come out of a situation like this is going to show how strong you are as an entrepreneur. Because you have to look at the darkest moments and and, and find a light in them. And a lot of entrepreneurs like like yourself, myself, 2020 was actually, I mean a lot of people obviously suffering a lot of people through mental health and ill and one are going through that. And I don't want to not shed a light on that, but 2020 was probably career wise, the best year of my life. And it's because Same. it gave me so much more opportunity because I was, I was doing really well with all my businesses. I was helping a lot of individuals. My two companies were doing well. We we're building a great portfolio of real estate, but I was just working, 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 family, family, family. And I had a routine and I was very stuck in this routine and it just gave me an opportunity to sit back and be like, Hey, you know what? There's other things I want to do. And I've never really allocated the time to do it. Let's do it now. And that's when the podcast, that's when my coaching platform, that's when I started putting a pen to paper and wrote a book and all these other things. And I think that is a great opportunity because a lot of people, and I've talked to so many people on Aaron in December. And a lot of people were having that mindset where, you know what? 2020 was a crap year, 2021. I'm going to turn it around. It's going to be the new year's resolution. I'm going to flip that switch. And you know what? Let's be honest. That's all bullshit because 2020, yeah. 2021, it's just one straight line. There's no difference. Yeah. And a lot of people, and I, and I, and and I was actually going to do a, a little video on this, probably this week is. A lot of people that I've been talking to in the last couple of days, all of a sudden tweaks into 2021, but they had this little hope and all this, and two weeks later, we're all in, a lot of us are still in lockdowns. A lot of us are still going through a little, a lot of trauma, mentally, physically, and business wise, and nothing's really changed.
0: Cool. And and I think you know it's it, it's how you prepare for it though, and and the people who had a good 2020 business wise will have a good 2021. 100%. The people who didn't have a good one probably won't unless they drastically change their life. You know, you and I were talking about this today before we went on air. You know, I've had some big wins already this year in 2021. I've also had some big things that might become losses, might become wins. I don't know. And at the end of the day, I hope they become wins. But if they become losses, I accept them. I understand it and move on to the next one because there will be more opportunities. I, I think that's a great little lesson
1: there. And, and you have to understand that and, and any lessons or any things that do not become big wins or wins, you have to understand also that it, it's a lesson and you analyze that lesson. I was having this conversation and I actually talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. I had this conversation a few months ago with my daughter and um, she had done a dance competition and she's always done extremely well she's a high performance dancer she's always done extremely well she always seems to finish first somehow in all her competitions and it was the first time she finished third place and she came home and she was really sad and depressed and and she's like how did i do this and and i said sierra i go you finishing third is not an issue i go if you're not learning from this lesson is the issue i said you have all the film of the of the of your the the whole actual um competition i go i want you The next week is to watch the video of the second place winner and study everything she did. And then watch the video of the first place winner, study everything she did. And then I said, watch the video of what you did and study it and understand it. If once you do this, now you can actually realize what it takes to get to that second or what it it took to get to that first place and what you did wrong that you could correct. So if you could take this as a lesson, it's, it is, it is very valuable. And I think those are lessons we have to teach people.
0: Yeah. Failure, failure is good if you learn from it. And I think that, you know, the, the situation that we were talking about earlier, when it first came up earlier this week, I probably didn't handle it how I, how I should have. And I probably was a mess. I was caught off guard. And then, you know, yesterday I learned from it. We, we got, I had a call someone. I I did what I could to fix the situation. I corrected my mistakes. I learned from the lesson. And you know what? At the end of the day, if it it resolves in my favor, I'm going to be thrilled. But if it doesn't resolve in my favor, I've learned lessons. I changed my behavior. I figured out what I can do next time to do better. And and because of that, I'm going to be so much better off in the future.
1: Yeah, I I love that part. Like you said, it's just constantly learning from your lessons and adapting from them and growing from them. I think that's a huge part where people could take that and understand that. And through, through anybody that's going... Through a situation right now where it's two weeks into 2021, you're like, wow, this is another going to be another crap year. Every single day, we all have the exact same. The most successful people in the world and the ones struggling the most, we all have one thing in common. We all have 24 hours in a day. And what you make of those 24 hours and how you utilize those 24 hours are the difference from the top entrepreneurs or most successful people in any industry and or even the best athletes is how you utilize those 24 hours and i think a lot of people have to stop making excuses and stop playing the victim card because i think it's very easy we live in a society where it's very easy to play the victim card because a lot of people get i don't say rewarded but they get comforted For being the victim. So you put a post on social media like, oh, this happened to me. You're getting a thousand likes. Oh, don't worry, don't worry, Jessica. Everything's gonna be okay. You're gonna fight through it. And then you put your accomplishment, you get two likes. People are like, oh, great job. So it's 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 you have to do it for yourself, first off, and you have to understand that no one is gonna do anything for you. You might get people to guide you and help you through the process if you're lucky enough. But reality is is you got to go out there and put the work in and figure out a way to pivot your business or your career that you, one, you're going to wake up happy. Second, that you are going to succeed in 2021 because reality is shit hits the fan every day. You just got to make the most of it kind of thing, right? So with that being said, and this is something we're going to be talking about a lot after, but 2021 let's, let's fast forward to December. Where do you want to see yourself?
0: I think there's, there's a few goals. I think on the speaking side, I want to be, you know, consistently getting more gigs. <clears throat> I want to have, you know, legitimate name recognition all over on my podcast. I want it to you know grow to be one of the top podcasts there are. And, you know, I'm in the process of working on that already. And, on the finance side, I want to, you know, explode my my business. I want to, you know, probably triple it or quadruple it. And I I have a roadmap and I, I think that all of those goals are attainable if I continue to follow the process and follow the steps that I've put into place and going to continue to put into place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a lot, there's a very, very bright future for you ahead. And like I said, you have an amazing story that's gonna inspire and hopefully shift the mind set of a lot of young individuals that are going through something similar that you went through and needed that little talk or that boost or that push. And with yourself is, I love the bare fact that you are understanding at a very young age, how old are you entering? 24. you a baby still, man. Um, <laughs> I can be your dad. I'm 43. I can be your dad for God's sake. <laughs> and you're understanding that and I want this to be a lesson to anybody listening right now is you name three things there. And that's something as at a young age, I've always had multiple streams of income or multiple streams of areas that I wanted to focus on and improve. I never put all my eggs in one basket. And I love the bare fact that you named three things and there's probably going to be your, hopefully your book and other things that are going to be coming in. So you're going to have four or five, six different things because spreading yourself In directions that you know that you can succeed on, and directions that you are going to benefit yourself and benefit others by you doing that are important. And I think a lot of people have to understand is always having more than one stream of income is very important. Also, because pandemics hit, things shift. You went through, you said this week, something that could alter financially one part of one aspect of your business. So, Having different streams of income is so important that they're always benefiting. If one's lower, the other could also be shifted or come higher. So having different streams of income, different having passive income is another great way as well, which is eventually your book and other, other things you're doing. So, yeah. those are two things that I think a lot of young entrepreneurs can learn from is, is not putting everything focused on one. I do understand the whole thing of putting your energy on one thing till it grows, but having different streams, of income in different areas that you want to grow on and have different goals is very, very important for yourself.
0: And, 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 and going on that, you know, some of them take a lot of time upfront, but they become passive income. hundred percent, you know, one of my goals is to grow my podcast and monetize my podcast. And at the end of the day, you know, I have someone who helps me with editing it because that's just not my strong suit. And, you know, when I get to the point where it's, you know, able to be monetized, all I do is I get on conversations like this, you know, have a good time, talk to people, send it over to the person who helps me with editing and then post it and then it will make money. I mean, that's, that's passive income. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent.
1: Is there any other fields that you have interest in that you can see yourself getting into over the next few years?
0: You know, I, I, I don't really know. Um, I I think I love everything I'm doing and nothing really hits, hits the nail on the head. I think right now I'm very happy with everything I'm doing and everything I have going on. Um, you know, I will never get into something that is a strict nine to five type of thing. You know, you're a natural entrepreneur. You're a natural
1: entrepreneur. I I
0: can't see that ever happening. I love doing, you know, having the freedom that I have and, you know, we'll see, you know, I, I love what I have, like I said, and, and. You never know. There might be other other areas to add down the road, but you know, that's something we'll talk about as time goes on. Yeah.
1: There's there's one thing you said there. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two other questions, but there's one thing you said there, and I appreciate that too, Aaron, is is at a young age, you keep saying the exact same thing. And I think that is such an important lesson for people to learn from is you keep saying having the freedom. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, it takes years and years and years of them being an entrepreneur before they realize that being successful is not having a Porsche in the driveway, it's having a financial freedom. Being able to wake up every morning and do what you love and that allows you to do other things that you love is having a financial freedom and you've said that in our podcast here probably five six times the freedom in that word and i love that aspect i think that's something so important for a lot of entrepreneurs understand is wealth should be measured by your freedom
0: yeah no at, at, at the end of the day you know think about what you do and if something comes up with your family with any relationships that are truly important to you can you drop everything and go to it you know yeah i might need to cancel a couple of meetings and reschedule but if something came up with my parents or my sister or my girlfriend i would you know i'd sign off this i'd drop everything for the rest of the day send out a couple of texts and go because i have the freedom and ability to do that yeah
1: i love that there's two questions i ask and and all my podcasts are very free-flowing there's two conversations or two questions i always ask all our guests at the end one of them is a little harder for you because you're so young <laughs> but i think you've had a lot of life experience you might be able to understand it and answer it is if something were to happen to you today aaron in a few simple words how would you want to be described by your loved ones and your closest relatives and your closest friends in a few words how would you want them to describe you
0: impactful i think that if something were to happen to me i want to be known as someone who left the legacy of, of impacting others and, and creating change and a difference and, and, you know, really making that impact.
1: And you're well on your way from do, well on your way on doing that. So I appreciate that. And the next one is superpower. If you had one superpower, what would it be?
0: <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe like teleportation, be able to just go anywhere in the world I want it. That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I just had a, the guest I had on this morning, when I asked that question, he said, uh, be able to freeze time and be able to replay. That's a good one as well. Be able to replay certain parts of his life, replay them again, and just be able to live through them one more time, which I think that's a, uh, those are both of them I think are are, are pretty pretty cool because you get a lot of individuals like, oh I want to fly or I'm like, no, you have to come up with something a little more interesting. You ads. see,
0: my thing with, with teleportation is it's not focused on being a superpower. It's focused on, okay, I have a coaching call with you, let me teleport to Toronto real quick and, and do that. Yeah. Oh, I have a, a meeting with Chris, let me teleport to England. You know, I need to talk to Sam, let me teleport to Los Angeles. Like it, it would just allow you to connect with so many people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty pretty interesting. It would be a pretty crazy world if we lived if we lived in a world that did that, right? <laughs> but with our future technology, you never know, man. I think I think travel's coming, is gonna over the next 10-15 years is gonna speed up a lot with all the uh, hyperlinks and all that. There's this traveling time is gonna be sh- cut really, really short over the next probably 10-15 years, I think, with our technology hitting. On. So yeah. you might be able to f- travel a lot quicker, right? Yeah. I appreciate. You coming on our podcast, Aaron, I, I appreciate our connection and I appreciate who you are and your story and I appreciate where you are in your career at such a young age, at 24, because a lot of individuals at 24 just focus on partying and focus on on, on on just enjoying life and they're not realizing everything you're doing right now and all the steps and the effort and the work you're putting in right now are going to put you so far ahead of the game when you get into your thirties. And I appreciate that. And I see a huge bright future and I, and I'm excited to see it and help you get there. So anything you want to tell our audience before we uh, head off today?
0: First off, thank you. Appreciate those words. And thank you for having me, you know, second for anyone listening, feel free to connect with me. My website's AaronGolub.com. Um My podcast is blind ambition and you can find me on you know Instagram, Twitter, Aaron J. Golub or LinkedIn anywhere. And uh, you know, message me. I respond to all messages. I'm, I'm more than happy to connect.
1: I love that. And all our show notes, I'm going to put all the information, how to connect with Aaron and links to all his site, his social media and all that. And hopefully we'll have him back on in the near future and, and see his journey and how his journey has continued. And I, once again, I appreciate you coming on, Aaron. Thank you very much. Have a great day, buddy.
0: Thank you. Very cool.
1: That's a wrap for today. I want to thank our guest, Aaron, for being a guest on the Jeff Nozine podcast. What a great, inspiring story. Great young individual with such a promising future. I hope everyone takes a look and takes a follow. And I cannot wait to see where this future goes. If you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I did, please do us a favor. Do what we ask every week. Help spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. We're trying to build something incredibly special here. Leave a review. Five stars would be absolutely amazing. We always read our reviews. We appreciate everyone who takes their time to do it. Until next week, guys, keep moving forward.